This morning I'm continuing our way through Galatians, and I am, I'm actually jumping ahead into chapter 5. So if you have been with us in this series, maybe you know I, I've been going section by section, and I, I'm skipping over the last half of chapter 4. The reason for that is the last part of chapter 4 is, is a part where Paul gives this story about where he's making an illustration using Old Testament characters, Sarah and Hagar. And he's restating something that he said before, that we've seen before in chapters 2 and chapters 3 of Galatians. So, so um, it's a message that essentially I've already given because Paul is now repeating himself on that. So we're, we're jumping ahead to where Paul turns a corner then and takes a new direction in chapter 5 is where I'll be beginning from. We do that, though, knowing that we're, we're coming to a place where uh, in the world that we live in, even though we take this break and we look at a piece of Scripture, that we come as people who live in a world in which we engage different issues outside in this place. And, and perhaps it is uh, not by my planning, but it just sort of happens to fall in this way, that when we look into chapter 5, Paul is turning the corner now and starting to talk about freedom, what it means to be free. And maybe it's good that we do spend a little bit of time with that right now in the world that we live in, in the country that we live in, in the community that we live in, that we talk a little bit about freedom. Now then, I'm not sure it would really be appropriate for me to to give examples of ways that we disagree about what it means to be free, right? That we disagree about all the different political convictions that we have. This isn't the place for that. But let me say this, that it's nothing new. So uh, maybe we'll start today with a little bit of a history lesson. Perhaps you know this, perhaps this will be new. That uh, it's not the first time, in this country anyway, that people at our very highest levels of political parties have had strong disagreements with one another about what it means to live as free people together. In fact, you, have to go, you can go all the way back to the very beginning to find that. Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, who were some of those founding fathers of this nation, had the habit of writing letters back and forth to each other. In fact, they wrote a lot back and forth to each other. And their letters back and forth to each other were letters that would argue, right? They disagreed and they engaged in this dialogue back and forth about all the things that they disagreed about. But, you know, um, if you know anything of American history, you know how tight those two guys were together as well. They were instrumental together in the colonial period before the revolution happened and sort of organizing and bringing together some of the thoughts and key leaders on that. They were instrumental during the Revolutionary War in establishing that independence. They worked together on important documents for this country, documents like the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. They were, after that, they were both appointed as ambassadors to Europe by the very first president, George Washington. And so they both spent time in Europe working to connect new relationships as a new country with countries in Europe. And they both had the opportunity then to serve as president. John Adams becoming the second president of the United States and Thomas Jefferson being the third. In fact, Thomas Jefferson was the vice president under John Adams, so he served in that administration as well. Back then, by the way, the vice president would be the runner-up in the election. Not, you didn't have a running mate who was on your ticket, but whoever was second place became the vice president. Could you imagine if we still worked like that today? 
with what we've got going on. So it's not the first time that there has been some dialogue and conflict about what it means to be together in a country in which you live as free people together. These two argued about that back and forth in their letters. Jefferson and Adams did. Adams was a member of the Federalist Party, and as a member of the Federalist Party, one of his key allies was a very passionate and controversial figure, Alexander Hamilton. Thomas Jefferson couldn't stand Alexander Hamilton, yet had to work as the vice president in which Hamilton was in the cabinet appointed to that position by Adams. So they had these disagreements to work through as they went through that. So many things that they had to iron out about how to get along and work forward, even when they disagreed about that. And it comes down to the point where they had to define terms that they didn't agree on. Maybe that's a good place for us to begin in recognizing that. Because as we turn the corner here in Galatians 5, and the Apostle Paul is going to begin talking about freedom, what we should remember is that maybe we don't all have the same ideas in mind when we hear the word freedom. That when we talk about being free in Christ, that we have been given freedom in Christ, that maybe every single one of us here thinks about that freedom a little bit differently. Because we all have different ideas about what it means to be free. So it's good that we spend a little bit of time with this. So I'm going to be reading today from the first 12 verses of Galatians 5, where Paul talks about freedom. It's uh, printed in your bulletins and in your order of worship, and it will be on the screen here as well. Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every single man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, We eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persecution, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will pay for the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators... I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Harsh words from Paul there. right? He's, he's making his case here rather strongly. 
to say, no, 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 you are free people now, free in Christ and what that means. But, as I mentioned, maybe we don't all have the same idea in mind of what it means to be free. So let's consider a little bit of that, a little bit of what it means for us to be people who are free. So the, the, the bigger picture here, the context, remember where we're coming from in Galatians, that all through the first four chapters of Galatians, Paul is talking about, basically talking about what it means for you to be identified as a child of God, right? That we are sons and daughters of God. We have an identity in Christ that way. He is spending those first four chapters of Galatians talking about how we no longer live by the law of Moses, the Old Testament law, but now we live in Christ by faith as sons and daughters of God. He's been developing that over those first four chapters. Now, Turning the corner in chapter 5, we're beginning to get a bit of a discussion of what that means. What does it mean to live as a person who lives set free by God in faith? What does that look like? How does that work? So he begins with this discussion of freedom, what it means to be free. In fact, if you looked at this in the original Greek, in in chapter 5, verse 1, that first phrase that we read there from that very first verse that says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In Greek, that sentence is only four words long, and it doesn't make much sense. Literally, it would read, freedom us Christ free. That's how Paul says it. That's how he begins. The first and last words of the sentence are freedom, And then there are two words in between, us and Christ. Freedom as a noun, as it begins, the subject. Freedom as a verb, as it ends, action. And then a connector between those, the pronoun, us, and the name, Christ. Paul is highlighting this then as a theme. It's a key word there that he repeats it that way that he wants to have this discussion about what it means for us to be people who are free and how we think about that and how we apply that to our life of faith in who we are. So some things today about freedom that perhaps can help us understand this the way it comes from this passage. Because at this point, the argument is not whether or not you are free. That much is assumed. Yes, we are people who are free. The argument is not anymore, are you free or are you not free? Now the point is, what does it mean to be free? What does that freedom look like in our lives? So two things that we're going to look at in this passage as we move this forward then. Because first of all, we're going to discuss what we are free from, and then we will discuss what we are set free for. Okay, what we're set free from and what we're set free for. Now, the the Bible uses, I think, some of the same language that we would consider about freedom as well. That when we consider what we're being set free from, well, we're set free from slavery or bondage. The Bible uses that kind of language. But this passage here in Galatians 5 gets a little more specific, a little more narrow. In fact, if we were to look at the, the specific issue Going on, in the passage that I read, he's talking about that Jewish practice of circumcision. 
You're set free from this obligation of doing this cultural habit of circumcision. But that's maybe not a big deal for us anymore today. We need, we need to expand that. What is Paul really saying if that's going to be something that makes sense for us today? Well, he gives us something of that. That he tells us that, you know, what you're really set free from here is an obligation to perfect obedience. He says it this way in verse 3, right? In verse 3, he would say, Again, I declare to you, every man who allows himself to be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. In this, what we see is a freedom that we're being set free from. We're being set free from an obligation to perfectly obey the whole law, the entire law. There's a key word in that, though. The key word is obligation. Obligation. So it's not that we are set free from the law entirely. In fact, in the New Testament, Jesus says that he has not come to abolish the law, but fulfill the law. It's not that we're set free from the law, but what we are set free from is an obligation to the law. Maybe it seems like I'm being nitpicky here, but but let me explain a little bit of what this means. That word obligation in the Greek language that Paul writes in here is a word that has a a monetary sense to it. Um, It's talking about money in the sense of it's the same word that we would translate as debt. So you know that in the different ways that maybe we've learned or say the Lord's Prayer, that phrase in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Oh, we're not just talking about money there, but, but we're talking about some obligations in that. That maybe that's helpful for us to think of it that way. That this debt, this obligation that the Apostle Paul is talking about is, is a debt or an obligation to the entire law. What he's saying in this passage is this, that, you know what, you no longer have this debt of the entire law upon you. Now, I think maybe we know what it's like sometimes to maybe have to take out a small loan or repay back something or have a credit card bill that's due or something like that. But but what Paul is talking about here is it's the whole load. It's not just that you have to make a payment. It's that, you know what, you have completely maxed out your credit card, and you know what, the entire balance is due. And it's more than you could ever, ever pay. That's what he's talking about in here. So what he's saying to these people in these churches in Galatia who are making this nitpicky issue out of this one thing of circumcision, he's saying to them, you know what, if you want to pick and pull in one rule then you're going to pull in all the rules. And since you're going to pull in all the rules, you can't ever pay that. You can't ever do that. You can't ever meet that. It's an all or nothing deal. It's where he's after with that. He's reminding them then that the freedom that you've been given in Christ, you have been set free from that obligation, that debt, that debt of guilt, for sin that was against you is now a debt that has been completely paid by Jesus. That you are debt free from the guilt of your sin because of Jesus. Freedom then for us means that the guilt of my sin is wiped away because I have been set free from my obligation 
perfectly obey every rule and every law and every command. That we have been set free from that. That is what we are free from. But there's more to it. Not only are we set free from something, we're also set free for something. So as we think about what that means, again, here in Galatians, Paul gives us a clue to how that looks, what that looks like, how that works out, that that we are set free for faith expressed through love. And we catch that when we read that in verse 6 where he talks about that. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Some of the commentaries that I've been reading in Galatians that help prepare for this message, some of them would say that, you know what, these two verses, verses 5 and 6, are the summary of the entire letter of Galatians. If you were to say, is there some place in Galatians where you can summarize for me what this whole letter is about, at least two commentators that I read said, yep, it's verses 5 and 6 out of this chapter where Paul writes this, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Here's where the Apostle Paul is telling us what it is that we have been set free for. What our freedom moves towards that there is something about the faith that we've been given in Jesus that propels us forward to acts of love, expressions of love. There's a lot that we could say about that. There's a whole lot that we could unpack about that. In fact, there's almost too much that we could unpack about that and say about that. But that's okay because the Apostle Paul then takes the entire rest of the letter of Galatians to unpack that for us. So we don't have to do it all this morning, right? It'll come over the next weeks as we continue to work through this. So we're just going to begin this morning a little bit of the unpacking about what it means to be set free for faith expressed through love and how that works into our lives of faith as we move forward. You know, I mentioned some of, the, um, some of the disagreements between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson in all these letters that they wrote back and forth. And it was, um, it was during a vacation week that I had back in August where I, I read a book on this that chronicled these letters back and forth between them. My, my, um, my undergraduate degree in college was in history, so I'm kind of a history nerd who reads things that normal people usually don't read. Um, but in reading these letters back and forth between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson and being struck by how much these two guys were like this and disagreed about so much, there was one thing that struck me that they kept coming back to again and again and again that they did agree on. In fact, it was important to them, so important that they both agreed and they both identified This is an essential ingredient of what it means for us to be a democracy or a country, right? It it is an important part that you cannot dismiss. In fact, they both would have said in their letters that they wrote that, you know what, if you don't have this one thing, that this whole democracy thing won't work. And what might we think that that one thing that they agreed on might be? 
And yeah, we might say, well, I mean, is it freedom? Is it liberty? Is it equality? It, it wasn't any of those things. The one thing that they both wrote about back and forth that they said, yep, if you don't have this one thing, democracy is over. It can't work. Virtue. That they both agreed this isn't going to work unless there is virtue. That freedom only works when you see it as a virtue. I don't know that they would pull that from Galatians 5 and the Apostle Paul, but uh, it wasn't their idea first, because that's what Paul is saying here as well in Galatians 5, isn't it? That freedom is a virtue. Uh, What do I mean by virtue? Well, we can define virtue in certain ways. Virtue is a goodness directed for the benefit of someone or something else. A goodness directed for the benefit of someone or something else. Meaning then, it's more than just being a good person. More than moral behavior, more than being admirable, more than ethics. Right? It's a goodness for the benefit of others. Let me give an example. Um, Often we speak of something like patience as being a virtue. Right? that you can have the virtue of patience. And what we mean by that is this, that that if I were to hold the virtue of patience, it means that maybe in those moments where I would get so angry that I would explode into an argument, and in that argument I would say things that I don't really mean to say, things that might be hurtful or damaging to relationships, that the virtue of patience holds that back. So that by being patient, that my attitude of patience then becomes a benefit to other people. So instead of saying things in anger that I don't really mean to say, with the virtue of patience, I can express a goodness for others instead of a harm for others. Right? That's, that's how we think of virtue. That it's not just these admirable qualities, but they are qualities in which we then express or direct a goodness for others through those virtuous things. Paul is telling us here this morning then that the freedom that we've been given in Christ is meant to be a virtue. Faith, it's expressing itself through love, that we have freedom for that, to express our faith for others in love. And we'll see in coming weeks then, as we continue through chapter 5 and into chapter 6, the applications. What does that look like? How does that work itself out? How do we understand that as a virtue And as we go through the next two weeks, we're going to add a few more things on top of this. That freedom is not only a virtue, but we'll keep defining a little bit more of what that works itself out. Paul talks about the virtue of faith in other places too. In fact, if you were to look in some of his other writings, this is what he writes in Colossians 3. Consider this then as that virtue. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another 
if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And now look at this one. Verse 14. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is what it means for us to be free people. I know we leave this place then and we go out into our world and we go back to some of the arguments and disagreements that happen in our communities and with, uh, among our friends and maybe even among our family members. But maybe it's good for us to remember today that in those disagreements that, that we have a grounding that goes deeper than that. Yes? That we have a foundation that runs beyond those disagreements. That, that we understand that there is a freedom given to us first and foremost through Christ. And it is a freedom which has called us and set us free then to express that faith with expressions of love. We do that because God has modeled that for us. That God, in his freedom, because God is free, God, in his freedom, has chosen to express his love for us and the sacrifice of his son Jesus so that we may then be set free as well. We thank him for that. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that in your word that you have called us and set us free in Christ. Lord, we confess that we, like so many others, have argued and disagreed about what it means for us to be people who are free. But Lord, may we be reminded again by your word today that freedom comes from you and that it comes to us as a virtue that we may express that freedom as goodness towards others so that the freedom you've given to us may be a freedom that we share that draws people to you. We thank you for that, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand?